0: Welcome back to another episode of Produce Grand Podcast. Carrington and JB with me. Yo. We got a special guest in the building here today. Bros work with X, Ski Mask, Smoke Perp, Lil Pump, Trippy Red, Lil Baby. Please welcome Jimmy Duval. Yes, sir. Good
1: to be here. Good to be here.
0: Alrighty, bro.
2: <laughs> cool, cool. Well, for our, we're going to hop into um, you know, talking about the track and the the disputes and everything with that later on but first for all of our fans and audience that don't really don't aren't familiar with your work you want to talk to them a little bit about your come up story kind of just like a good little background about your your journey to where you're at now
1: um hell yeah hell yeah let's fix this mic for you all right cool 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 yeah i started making music or playing music when i was in like uh third grade just in school band and uh then i kept doing that for a little bit and then when i got in high school I had actually a friend bump me kind of onto music production and was like making beats. I didn't even know what he was talking about. When he first told me, he was like, I remember I asked him this. I feel, I feel so stupid now, but he's like, I made this beat, and he played it for me. I'm like, yeah, Yo, you got a drum kit at your house? I'm like, I'm like what?
2: You know, I he's like
1: making it on a drum kit. Like, I'm like, what? talking about like the
2: actual physical I, yeah, yeah, I
1: didn't even know, like, I had never thought about it. I didn't even know you could like anything about DAWs, so. Yeah. He actually told me he's like, go get FL Studio and 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 just fuck with it. And I did that day. I swear, I like went and like bought that shit at Guitar Center and was mm-hmm. like took it home and just started like. I didn't know anything about anything. So I was just like fucking around mm-hmm. for a while, but I got into it in high school. So and then eventually, I got into Logic Pro, which I use now. Okay, uh, okay. but I started on FL. And just, like, having random kids from my high school over and fucking around and just mm-hmm. trial and error learning. Like, I've always yeah. been really into engineering, too. So, I guess I just, like, knew how bad my first track sounded when I first started producing. <laughs> I'd listen to other tracks and be like, damn, something there's something missing here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sonically, so... That's what's always kept me kind of interested in engineering and doing mm-hmm. that as well. Cause I just like, like to hear my shit back and have it be like loud as fuck.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? So did you start engineering first or did you start producing? I started
1: that? at the same time. I'd say okay. like right when I was producing, like I didn't even really know the difference. So mm-hmm. I was like, what, what I, I was just making shit and trying to make it sound as good as possible. And mm-hmm. then I, you know, kind of in doing both was still just like playing a lot of music, but just spending a lot of time like editing.
2: Mm-hmm. So how'd you start linking up with artists and being able to okay, get the yeah. level that you're at now?
1: So I I I I got a scholarship to go to the university of Miami to study contemporary music. Yeah, um, yeah at Frost,
2: which was mm-hmm. cool, and it was
1: like kind of a long shot, and it worked out. And then um, I started, we're kind of randomly working at Flo Riders Studio mm-hmm. um, in Hialeah uh, with E Class and them. And then I was just like, fuck school. At that point, I was doing all these sessions over there, and just like always in the A room, just rocking it and killing mm-hmm. it. And then um, after that, my I met with my business partner. He's over here. You can't see him now. Mm-hmm. And we and he, you know, he just brought up the idea of starting starting kind of our own entity and publishing company, you know, whatever production company, label, whatever and and you know, of any sorts. And so we got a space and started doing it. Mm-hmm. And then like shortly after that, um, you know, we had had some like big remixes come out and stuff like that. And then I had uh, linked up with perp and pump and those guys i mean when the scene would like i mean it was just like no one knew how how big things were gonna get at all at that point especially in florida florida has a
2: huge underground
1: scene yeah but this is like it was just like no nobody had ever ever like there only been like max 10 million plays on
2: the record from that Mm. scene at that point Mm. in time When's this like 2012, 2013? This is a like little bit 2014. later. 2014. Right? Because 2015 just, is when they really popped exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: that's when shit like started moving and we were like, what the fuck? Right, you know what right. I'm saying? Like you started to see M's popping up like crazy. um, And so it kind of happened organically. You know what I'm saying? I just meet more people and, and I had a cool studio. So come to this spot. we just make bangers, you know, ski masks that way, trunks, you know. Uh, that's my dog. Um, and. And that's kind of how it all started. And then, you know, after that, I mean, I produce a lot of different kinds of music, rock music, pop music, everything. Mm. So the last year, like I I did some R&B projects with Republic and I'm doing some pop projects with 10K right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit of everything. It's really my goal.
2: Okay. So How'd you end up probably being in Florida? How'd you end up linking up with X and linking up with that Um, that artist? Actually,
1: through the, through the beat that I made because originally it was like Reggie P had come he was he was at my crib for a couple days um, and I remember he was like about a dip and actually Rojas was over there at this time and uh, we just made the beat and we were like alright Reggie you wanna hit it and he said yeah but you know how it is you mm-hmm. know you, you know what I mean so we sent it to his email I, I, I believe in and nothing came of it and you know what I'm saying and then like a couple months later uh, that's when the record came out and X had gotten on Mm. You know what I'm saying?
2: Okay. So when you when you went to make this beat and went to collab like this collab process, walk us through what like the more details behind the collab process. Like how did the beat come out? Like who did what and so on?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you straight up. Like I'll even show you all the project file if you want. It's that easy. It's just like Rojas over. Go to cook up something for Wretch. Mm. He's like, yo, go to YouTube and. You know, cut this, cut this sample, go what, you know what I mean? Find the shit. I listen to it. I'm like, all right, maybe we can do something with it. I download it, I fuck it up a little bit, distort it, bring it down in pitch and form it a little bit. And then, you know, but I was, I was into like, you know, I've made like even EDM trap edits before. So like I like like heavy bass, like distorted mm-hmm. bass. And so, you know, that was really like a lot of what I was starting to do at that time was just like crank things up and whap it. Mm-hmm. So, we, uh, I just then downloaded it from YouTube. He's just chilling on the couch and I just cooked it up. I mean, it didn't take me too long, probably
2: like an hour or two. No, uh, his name is Rojas. Yeah. He's the other producer involved with this track. Yeah. I guess you call him producer. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> 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 you know, but,
1: uh, yeah. And then we, you know, made it, sent it to Rush and that was, that was it right there.
2: You know? So after the, after the song X hopped on the song and they got released, what was the journey like from then on? What's the, pro? what's how so first, it was out? First
1: Rojas put it out without my name on it. Mm. And then, uh but he he knows how mm. I am. I just made a quick phone call to him personally. <laughs> my name was on in like 40 seconds.
2: Like a tag or
0: what do you mean? No, it's just say?
1: like on SoundCloud. He just said, okay. produced by Rojas. I'm like, bro, like you're lucky. Like I let you keep your name on that shit. Like, but put my name on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And he did. Mm. You know, but and at the time I was like I was like oh fuck man that's like my first million plays you know mm. so I was pissed you know, know mm. as anyone would be but now like anything I put out has hella millions and I don't really give a fuck about millions I mean the shit I sell you know mm. I don't give a fuck now my name's been on it for ninety nine point nine percent of the of the time so it mm. is yeah. but I don't I wouldn't do that shit you feel me.
2: So then once exactly. once the track got out, when did all the legal situations and uh, well, the controversy, did that start before recently or had that been No, that
1: did not start before recently, bro. I mean, the problem is, is that, you know, when you're talking about intellectual property and making a song, right, mm-hmm. it has to be, it has to be agreed upon, mm-hmm. right? And, and considering that, you know, Ross told me, grab the sample, right? And. There was a lot more work done than that, though, on the record. So we make the whole record, bum, 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 and X does his thing on the record.
2: And, and for the context for the viewers, you want to give them the name of this or so if they want to listen to this or if they haven't yeah. heard it? The name oh, of the track it's was called there.
1: Mala Changes. Okay. Mala Changes. Um, That pretty much, without the consent of any of the creatives involved, they signed the publishing off to the sample at some point, his legal team. Because it ain't between me and X, like... You know, like me and X, you know, I I don't deal with this shit, you know what I'm saying? Like it's obviously not going to be me that figures, figures out that this big problem exists in the in the publishing, but it's really the copyright for the record okay. so if you if you do something like you create that record, you own what you've done on the record, right? And if you're not going to own it, you at least are going to go into some kind of discussion mm-hmm. Or legal go- through where it's going to be decided you don't. But it can't just be given away by some random lawyer behind somebody else. You feel me? Mm. Um, and that's pretty much what we're dealing with. It's like, I'm not like, pretty much the money of the deal is really over a 30-year collection, how much it's worth. But I'm asking just for my percentage back on the publishing. Mm. I'm saying just give me my ownership back of what I do own. You feel me? Like, and we're we're good and we're clear. You know what I mean?
2: Mm. So talk to us a little bit about, okay, so I know we spoke a little bit earlier about <laughs> the publishing side comes the what this all controversy is over comes from the publishing side from the sample. And then you were telling me earlier that it should be split up or that one entity didn't talk to another entity like legally, or just get, like elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, you know, my team understands it better than I do, okay. you
1: know? So I'm explaining it to the best of my extent, you know, I just make music all day, mm-hmm. but it's pretty much that, um, at some point, the legal, uh, you know, his legal team or, you know, whatever legal team for whatever level, in probably just a rush to get the record moved, gave away pieces of the creative's publishing, right? Okay. Without consent or anything, which okay. is not, you can't do that. You feel me?
2: And so you didn't verify this part.
1: Oh, no. Like, anything I've ever signed or done with the record states that I have the ownership of my publishing. And that's why it's shocking, is when you have paperwork that says that you do own it, Mm. right? Like, literally. Like, real paperwork. Like We have the date. We take pictures of every contract we sign. Mm -hmm. And then you find a contract that says you don't. From the same people, you're like, yo, like... Something's up. This does not make sense. You feel mm-hmm. me? Like you can't, you just can't do that. You know?
0: Now, how is your situation different than the Nick Mir situation with, um, the juice world record? It
1: me a little bit.
0: So the juice world track, and I'm
2: not a hundred percent accurate on this, but from what I saw was there was an issue with the sample. And then I guess the owners of the sample came back and claimed 85% of the
0: revenue. Eighty-five percent of the record, and I don't know if that's the eighty-five percent of the producers publishing or eighty-five percent of
1: all. I honestly would have to look into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I know that normally, like, you can make a claim on a record, but a claim is a claim,
2: and then it's disputed, and it's figured out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and a claim I'm, is just simply like, "Hey, I made this." Ex-
1: a claim is like, "Hey, you sampled this. I want this much."
2: Okay, um, and you're it, in the perspective, and, on and
1: that. You, they have a lawyer, right? And they're like, "I want this much," mm-hmm. right? But at that point, the parties involved with the ownership Get have to, to then be involved to negotiate and figure it out. Okay. You see what I'm saying? If that doesn't happen, it's just like, shit, this still needs to be resolved.
0: So, you know like, what do you think? They forged your signature? Like, what what happened?
1: Well, I'm honestly, like... No, his signature wasn't even on it. No, it's signed away by his, by a lawyer. So It's a weird situation that doesn't even really make sense. We're just getting <laughs> to the bottom of it. The only
3: <laughs> signature on it is X's attorney.
0: Mm. which mm. just is like so I mean wouldn't that be somewhere once you get a lawyer involved it should be an easy fix like if, if there's legalities to that's it? the point is that it should be easy to
1: fix that's what we're figuring out it's not like it has to be stressful like as long as I can get that piece of the publishing back as with my name on it we're
0: all set and clear and then will you be will you get back payments or like will it be like
3: oh from here not, on out I mean, no, so don't. the money is just a symbol for what is owed over a certain amount of period of time, right? So if the attorneys decide, okay, cool, he clearly owns this, just give his credit back, then nobody gives us any money but the actual entities that would have made payments to all the producers and the writers. Mm. So suddenly they don't owe us anything. It's the people that are owed. Right, yeah, it's right. like
1: there's still some money left, but what the like the, the amount on the claim is for thirty years. You see what I'm saying? It's saying if you didn't give me my publishing, this is what that publishing would have been worth to me every year paying me over this amount. So either give uh, me the Either or you can pay me for the publishing and I don't need to receive it. Same shit. Or just give me the publishing, cause I, you know, made that shit. So
2: go on. So when you talk about the publishing, that's the financial back of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's complicated. No, but that
3: would be the credit.
1: That's the creditor ownership okay. of the creative
2: work. Yeah. Which would then result in you collecting payment.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Okay. You're paid upon no. publishing. So what you want right now, what, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you want your credit and the financial piece that comes from the credit from the pa- from the X amount of time that's been, it's been. No, we're
1: saying that in thirty years, X amount of time mm-hmm. is what we're asking. If say they don't give me it back, right? Mm-hmm. So if not, we just want it back. You see what I'm saying? Everyone's happy. I just
0: want the publishing piece back. Not not the not the money. That's. The done. money right. will
3: be paid not by the estate, yeah, but and by the back world he does owe to us. Yeah, he's he's
1: saying that that, that the, the, it's a val it's an evaluation on the on how much the publishing is worth over time. Right? So it's
3: pretty much saying either give me the money or give me my the publishing so I can
1: collect my money, money over time. Mm-hmm. Either I'll take my publishing and I'll collect the money over time, or pay for the money over. Time.
0: Right, okay. I
1: don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Because it's a valuable piece of publishing, and there's companies that. We'll finance that, pay with that piece of publishing, you know what I mean? There's yeah. a lot of interesting things when it comes to copyrights, but mm. you have to have your copyright. And all that stuff.
2: For, you know what I'm saying? Like, So with your copyright, it, it'll, it'll allow yeah. you to do things in the future.
1: Exactly. And okay. it's just ownership of something I've made, like, and I got the project file for it, you know? And in general, like, I'm always hearing from producers, like, getting kicked around, not getting their credit, not getting their publishing. For a lot of different reasons, they don't want to stand up to the artist. Whatever they don't understand exactly how publishing works. But the truth is, if you're creative, you own what you do. You know what I'm saying? Or at least they're entitled the right to negotiate for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, what? I think I think it needs a change in general, and it should just be like a custom to give producers what they what they uh, owed. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Why do you think
0: uh, producers have a problem sticking up to
1: artists? I don't know because it's like. And sometimes it's like, you know, you're working with somebody. And when you're creative, it, talking about business is weird.
2: Mm.
1: It's like, imagine we're making a song right now. And then like, I'm like, okay, um, hey, I worked business. with somebody on this and you did. All right, how much do you think you owe? You know, all that stuff is better dealt with with managers and stuff like that. Because then, like, you can mm. maintain your creative relationship with somebody. You know, like, you really should, like, if I'm making music with you, we should meet up and make music.
2: Mm. And I'll be like, not all that other business. stuff,
1: they'll figure out, and he might talk to me and check in with me, right? But it's really like...
2: So between creatives, you want to maintain, you don't want to step it. out of yeah, the creative in the relationship. Past, when I
1: had to step into that, it always just turned into, like, not even an argument, but it turned into, yeah, it's just not what you need to be doing. You need to be making great music. You know mm. what I'm saying? Mm. So I try to keep the focus on that. You know what I mean?
2: Mm. Very interesting. So, and then one thing that stuck out to me is when you said the publishing will affect your future relationships. Now, by claiming this publishing, do when you go to make a publishing deal, correct? If they don't know that, if you say, yeah, I've made this track, but you don't have evidence of you making that track, they can't really. Oh,
1: sorry, you can have evidence. Like I'm already going through something like that. You know what I'm saying? Where like there's other people involved that are coming to me like, yo, what's going on? Like, And I'm like, yo, like I have the proof I made the track right here you know i even have stuff that says i own the track, but mm. there's this you know at some point in time unbeknownst to me this transaction occurred so mm. now that's what we're dealing with you mm. know what i'm saying so and it's not something you it's not something you plan it's just like when someone calls you and brings it up which happened fairly recently you're like what mm. you know what i mean it's shit it just is
0: what it is you know i was just gonna ask like why is this something? Like, why do you think it's something that just got noticed now, like not something that got noticed like more in the beginning?
1: Because uh, I was notified by a publishing company. We just did a deal. Yeah, we just did a deal, oh, and that's when they found out because they did all this searching around.
3: We signed a deal, and after we signed the deal, they came back to us and said, "Hey, there's this agreement that gave away your part of the copyright mm. to the person that has the sample." Yeah,
0: exactly. What
3: happened here, and then we went. Well,
2: that's not right. So this whole time Were you guys not receiving payment for this track Or was that yeah, not a red flag? red flag So that wasn't a red flag that hey we haven't been Making money off of this track that got released A while ago
1: I mean pretty much for a little While now I've been in talks of doing a pub deal Right which is mm. the people that are going to collect That money
2: mm. you know so it's not So you're kind of just like I know I, something... Once I
1: find the right situation They're going to take care of all of that Okay. You know what I'm saying So, Because that's pretty much what publishing companies music. You know, we're figuring out too. You know what I mean? Mm. Just started by kind of randomly popping off. So putting it together mm. um, back then. But yeah, you know, until until they really tell you what's up or figure it out, you know, you're kind of like waiting for some major entity to help you out with that. Because it's complicated to collect money on music. It really is. It's difficult. Like, mm. you don't know how many creatives I know is so much money owed to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that that it's like okay and you you sit there and you're like okay you have eighty thousand owed for the song who do you call and they'll be like you see what i'm saying like, it's, it's from so there many has different to be areas. someone that hunts that money down for you
2: like at some point there's like, no like one company yeah, like, like, like hey if you got
1: this gordy told me this i was in an eight-hour meeting with carrie gordy barry gord uh barry gordy's son and he said he said all these pieces you need to be successful in the music business. And the last one he said you need someone to chase down your money because no one's gonna bring it to you. Mm. They will pocket it before they bring it to you. You know what I'm saying? And it's straight up like, you know, and then if you're the person that made the music, it's like why is somebody else profiting off something that I made, you feel me?
2: That they had no business on exactly. creating. So <laughs> So how has this know, of, this whole thing affected your relationship with artists moving forward, and how has it impacted you like more on a personal level?
1: Bro, I'm like I don't give a fuck, bro. I'm in the studio all day long. I work. I do a lot of work. I just love making music. I'm mm. like a computer nerd, an editor. I'm just always working. So I'm, I have such a strong team and people around me. I really don't. i like ha, ah. mm. you know, like it's nothing personal. Like I respect X like like a ton. It's
0: nothing between me and him
1: recipes
0: I knew. Um, no my bad go ahead
1: um no nah, but i'm working every artist i'm working with we're like all oh, cool you know they understand like it's not what you think it is it's some business shit and it's really like you can blow it out of proportion but it's just asking for ownership back of something mm. you know what i'm saying and if you're gonna do that like you have to put some stakes down you know like if i just ask for it back, if you just go can i have it back they're gonna be like no or they'll be like, Yeah, we got you. <laughs> yeah, you see, you have to be like, yo, you either really gotta pay me something or give it back. And then they'll be like, Okay, 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 you're not playing around. You know, but like or you could just wait forever and not get your money. But like I'm a producer, like, you know what I'm saying? You I work really I'm always working, bro. And when you shit, I've even heard like making beats, like I don't just make beats, I, I really be producing records and writing records with people and shit like that. But you know, it's almost like scratchers in a way. So when you have a winning scratch and someone takes a piece away from you, you see mm-hmm. what I mean? You're like, fuck, bro, like this music shit is hard as it is, trust me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when you when you when you
0: kill it, you gotta get your bread for it. So you can keep I going forward
1: that. and make more shit. You know right. what I'm saying?
0: I feel that. Why do you think or how did how is it like, you know, because like on your Instagram and stuff, the fans are pretty aggressive they with
1: seem pretty uh, upset. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> like,
0: and why, and why do you think they automatically is like, oh, he's coming after X? Because, bro,
1: it's hey, X is such a legendary
0: and amazing... Uh, X is such a legendary and amazing person, and he,
1: you know, unfortunately just passed away, and it's tragic. You know what I'm saying? Especially at his age and everything, it's like, it just sucks. So, you know, I understand it's just sensitive. It's a right. sensitive situation. It's like any other lawsuit happens with another artist, you, you know, you know they, they, it'll be dealt with, and you probably won't hear about it, but because of the situation. You know what, it, it's it's not something anyone likes to do. Like, I don't even like that we had to go here with this and whatever, but it just had to happen and unfortunately isn't happening at the best time, you know, mm. rest in peace. And yeah. like, it's just sensitive, you know, like it was such a traumatic incident. He has so many close fans. Like, mm. I'm not, I'm surprised it's not worse. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. And I'm, I'm a businessman at the end of the day and shit, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not like a social media head. I'm not tripping. Like, mm.
2: Is it difficult explaining your side to anyone that doesn't really know? Because it's such a complex topic. Is it really? Is it difficult to explain, like, hey, this is not between me and this person. It's actually just a business issue.
1: I mean, so, somewhat, but the truth is, like... Where does it even come up? It's or? mainly, like, super fans that are super mad. I'm not talking Dude. to fucking super fans, you know what I'm saying? Like, unless you DM me or something. <laughs> like... I'm really just like Dealing with business All day long and sessions mm-hmm. And shit like that And I'll You know Everyone I meet with Is shit We meet We make shit We make money And we We make great music It's mm-hmm. not like I'm not tripping off Their legal situations And they're not tripping on mine You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying So if anyone in my circle Ain't tripping with me I'm all Gucci You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying
0: yeah. So man Talk to us about uh, This studio And this is you like Your personal studio right Yeah
1: this is my studio Right here Um i am a gearhead, I've always loved equipment, you know what I'm saying?
2: You don't say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um I like to I always like to have like a dope home studio cuz I feel like it's a good place to incubate music out of mm. and like when you have that space, like I call it like a GPS location to make music. Mm. When you don't have that and you're bouncing around, it's it's a little trickier. But if you can lock down a situation where you create a cool spot where you know what I like about this room, like when we designed it, is it can really handle any level of artists. Because you know, and we had a much smaller studio before, and I knew the caliber of artists that we couldn't bring there. Mm. We could, but if they came in there, they were not going to record. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They were going to be like, "Okay, call somebody, let's mm. book a studio," and I. Mm. You know, mm. so you know, we designed this, and you know, recording equipment's come so far in the last ten years that we're able to get so much amazing equipment in a space like this. It's, at a fraction of the cost of what it used to be to write right. really high-level music. But you can get a great setup and if you put it in a great environment and get the right people around it, you can bring the biggest people in the world around it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they, and they love it because it's even a little different. So that's kind of about the space.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where did your love for equipment come from? Because I know a lot of, it's a certain type of person, like someone that had, comes from like an engineering <sighs> background. You know where it's it a definitely type of comes
1: from? So my dad does construction right and I idolized construction my whole life because of it right Mm -hmm. I I, like had little dump trucks all the time right so I and I and I really knew about the trucks though I guess Mm. my parents would tell me like I knew all the parts of the truck I was really into it and and then when I guess I got into engineering it like reclicked clicked with something in my gear head ways Mm. and I started just like looking up synthesizers and Outboard gear and all this stuff, and slowly got to like use it. By the time I used it, I was already really hyped up on it. Mm. And it's like it's just a horrible addiction. <laughs> it,
2: I'll
1: be buying gear forever. I swear, I mm. love buying gear. I just got that. Yeah, y'all installing that the
0: other day. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I have a question for you. Yeah. So we're in an age where it's a lot of you know it's a lot of producers where they're working over the internet with a lot of artists. You know what I'm saying? And you talk about. You know, um, you started engineering and producing at the same time. So, you know what I'm saying? You might have like a a, a benefit over other producers when it comes to your beats and stuff like that. So for producers who never link with artists in the studio, what advice would you give them like when they link with the artist? I love that question.
1: That's one of the best questions that I've ever been asked. I'm gonna answer it very thoroughly. Okay, mm-hmm. so when you have a beat, right? You have to say to yourself, What's missing? The fucking oh my vocal. God, yeah, okay. When you when you have a beat, that's great, but now you need to say, How do I get a great vocal on my track? Right? So I tell every producer that you don't need to be necessarily a master level engineer, but you need to be ready in any situation to take a great beat you have, go into a studio, open the computer. Put, a, put the right plugins that you figured out. Maybe you just Googled all day. And you just said, I just need to get a good vocal chain. Mm-hmm. So when they're recording, they sound right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But if you can get somebody sounding right, do you know how much happier they are when they're recording? Right. And how much more right. likely they are to come back to you? Or right. even be like, y'all, bring you in on this record. I just need you to come like, record me and make sure the vocal is perfect. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I'd tell any producer, like, You know, and mixing is different than recording. I'm talking about recording. There's a little bit of mixing involved, just getting them sounding right. But it's really just being able to record them right. And you'll realize that you'll be able to capitalize on moments with people where you can Mm. get that song done. Not just like a a loose rough. I have to be like, yo, bro, can you get it? Yeah, yeah. And they believe you. Like when you know what you're doing, like artists believe you and they like to have that motivation where you're like, all right, I, I like that. Are we going to the second verse? I got like the second verse, like, you know, you get that first verse done, like, mm-hmm. done and then you're like, all right,
3: I'm so second verse.
1: Well, you need to all do right. it, you know what I'm saying? So I tell them just get that vocal template right and and be ready, you know? Mm. And that's it. Right
3: mm.
0: So all your placements have come with like working basically with, with the artists?
3: Yeah. More like, than
0: sending out beats? Yeah, like most of them, yeah. Most of everything I've released is just mixed
1: and mastered by me too. That's I dumb. mix all mm. the vocals and everything. It's actually very few songs I put out that are mixed by other people. Mm. uh, Yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask
2: you, so you master your tracks as well?
1: Yeah, I master. I master as well. I've been mastering for like four or five years. I actually enjoy my... I master for uh, other people as well, actually.
2: I know a lot of producers, I get this question a lot. They're like, yo, which one do I need to... I guess they don't really understand the difference between mixing, mastering, and producing, Uh, especially mixing and mastering.
1: So I'm going to clear it up. It's so (laughs) So simple. break it down for us. Let's producing is when you're writing music, sampling oh. music, putting drums. When you're doing rhythm and melody and together, think about it. That's simple. You're mm-hmm. organizing things in sequence. And there's melody involved. You're producing. Mm-hmm. And you start engineering when you're not changing melody or rhythm. You're only changing how things sound. Mm-hmm. So I might. Like, put an EQ on the synth, put an EQ on the snare, compress this, this, that, right? Mm -hmm. It's mixing. Now, when you're mixing, you have a bunch of tracks, and you can edit everything. It's kind of how you think about a studio. Mm -hmm. Mastering is literally just one file, right, that you get. So when you get something to master, it's one file, maybe the vocals separately on occasion. Mm -hmm. And then you load that file into your software and you edit it to maximize its loudness, clarity, and things like that, and sonic width. Mm. Mm. So it's really just the final step of making something sound big, loud, and great, right? But the truth is a lot of the magic's in the mix. Like You can only master right. as good as the person that mixed it sent it to you.
3: Because
1: mm. you don't not have all the stems. You have one thing, and you're going to send them back one thing, the mastered version of the file they sent you.
2: Do you have people get upset with you when maybe the mix didn't come out correct? So you have one file that's poorly mixed and then you master it and they expected you the to tr- make it sound the better. The truth
1: is like, you know, it it was a bad mix, but like if you're decently good at mastering, it's pretty satisfying for anybody to get it back. And it's just like louder. They're, yeah. they're, they listen to their old cool. version. They listen to that version. They're like, Oh it oh, yeah, is Oh yeah. You know, um, it's, it's a little tricky, but, Really, like any mix can benefit from a good master, but I mean, the better the mix, the better. The better and less intense the master has to be. Like, a really good masters are are subtle. They're really subtle and peaceful. Actually.
2: So, do you master your beats? Like, I know yeah. a lot of you master your beats before you yeah, put the vocals on all my beats all the time. Yeah, and so, what's that, Matt? Oh, go ahead. A lot of um for, for the audience, like producers watching, a lot of producers. I guess they were they're always like worried about mastering their beats and mixing their beats. like can you talk about the process? Like, should they be worried about that or not?
1: Okay. I mean, there's a lot of different people that use a lot of different processes I've talked to. Mm-hmm. I, I will simplify it to this. Listen to the... Just look and listen to your speakers. And wherever they're at, doing whatever you're doing, if you love it, and you can stem it just how it sounds like that, give it to the engineer like that. Just listen to the speakers. They're the ones talking, not you. So... If you love what the speakers are doing, maybe you've tested it on multiple speakers. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you have to be worried about with the rules. Mm. Mm. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Mm. If that shit sounds hot, stem it and send it. You don't have to ask about it. Mm. Right? And you maybe you have to practice and get your own way, but I have a certain way of doing things that is often very different. But I'll meet other Producers that do something very similar or something like that, but mm. everyone's different. You know, there's a lot of different ways to make great music or mix great music, but it's just like when those speakers are rocking, you're you're good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. and, and some people are like they won't trust that process. Like, I'm like, really they'll, they'll have someone tell them something and they'll start doing something, and it might negatively affect their mix. And I'm like, bro, just listen to the speakers mainly. Let everything else All just right. be noise. Yeah. You know. Okay.
0: Yeah, uh, I got a question. You said you're from. You said Florida. You're from. You're from no, Florida. I'm from uh,
1: Berkeley, California. Oakland, California. Mm. Okay, so
0: you're yep. from out here then. So like, what's it like like to go from just like did you did you have like a normal childhood like were your parents like rich or like how was your child? No,
1: my parents weren't rich, but you know I I had a cool childhood. Like I love my mom and my dad. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, my dad did construction. My dad's one of the hardest working people I know. So he he always held it down. Um, I'm, I'm just shut at home. Um, I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually from El Cerrito, California. You know, most people probably won't know where that is. It's not quite, quite the best area, but no, like I had a pretty cool upbringing, you know, yeah. I got involved in some, you know, I, yeah, shit, I gotta talk about everything. <laughs> I was the <like>, best <laughs> kid, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I did some dumb shit and got, you know what I mean? And was involved in some shit a little over, over my head at points. But it was all good, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm cool with my parents now. I, I ended up pulling it off somehow, so shit.
0: No, I had said that to ask just, like, how, what is it like going from, you know, a, a normal life to, like, being in a studio in the hills type shit?
1: Yeah, no, it's dope, but the truth is, bro, like, I just, I'm, like, I'm really a studio rat, bro. Like, I, like, if you put me in the biggest house in the world and there's not a studio in it, I'm not gonna enjoy myself. You know, like, <laughs> I just I'm in the studio like ninety percent of my day every day, you know? Mm. Um, so it's cool and I just love I love to just that with the with the better the studio and all this stuff is the more creatives and higher level creatives come around and the better you get, stuff like that. The music keeps getting better and better it excites me. You know? And mm. I feel like you upgrade your space, then there's a new energy and a new inspiration and the music keeps getting better and better and better. And there's times where it's like you work for a couple months and you're like kinda of making the same Mm-hmm. Damn, I just like want I want to like something that like shows me I, that I've never made before. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like that, and then you get in times where that's all you're doing. Like every day you wake up, you make some shit you never made before. So when you're in those times, which I'm right now, you just gotta shred and mm-hmm. go hard, and you know, I and mean, see what you can come up with. You know,
2: what would you say? Oh, go ahead.
0: No, no. no go ahead.
2: I was gonna ask, what's one of your highlights you've had, like in your production career or in your personal life? Like, what's one of the biggest moments you've had?
1: Hmm. One of the best moments I had. I don't know. It was dope. Like at, at the, I think it was like the third Rolling Loud in Miami. Um, when X played, look at me. Because mm-hmm. it was just like crazy to see, like you know, like where the scene had started, and then it was like there were like Where's a hell of the people there, and they, you know what I mean, like everyone knew lyrics for that shit, and I was like, well, it's different, a little different when you like see it for the first time, like that. Mm-hmm. Like all the shows were crazy. Play the song, like, run that shit back again. Mm. It's just crazy. So it was, it was a cool moment to see that energy. Very cool. Rest in peace, dog. Mm.
0: Most definitely, man. But, yeah, man, um, another dope episode, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Well, thank you. Jeez, man. Right, bro. Hit that subscribe. Peace.